You can follow the man on Twitter at Robert Mays, and he can check out the Athletic Football Show. Check out the podcast, and uh, just go to the Athletic, and you'll find it there. An NFL writer for the Athletic, it is Robert Mays, where you also can get excellent recommendations for restaurants if you are in or around the Chicago area. Robert, thank you so much for joining the show today. Happy to do it. Appreciate having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Robert, uh, I want to start here. We were doing our, our top five, top five most likely options for Tom Brady. I'm going to throw four by you and you tell me which one you think is most likely or which one is least likely. Are you ready, sir? Let's do it. He will become the backup point guard for the Raptors after they trade Fred Van Vliet. He will star in Benjamin Button Part 2, a movie about people where age and the human body don't seem to mesh. He will work for the government to deal with financial fraud after what FTX did to him, or he joins the San Francisco 49ers. Of those four options, most likely, least likely. I think the first one is the least likely. I think the playing football in any capacity is the most likely. I don't know. I, I mean, one of those people that I'll believe it when I see it that he's done. And yeah. oh, watching yeah. last night and how it ended, I just have a hard time believing that he wants it to end that way. Now, this is somebody that kind of feels like he came back partially because he didn't like the way that people twisted the story at the end. And I think that he really cares about that kind of stuff. And you know, there's no way to know. There's no way to know what his motivations are right now based on what's happened in his personal life this year. And there's so many different factors. But I just truly believe that he'll be done when I see it. And so that's why I'm going to bet on him playing again next year. All right. So no for him becoming the uh, get 20 minutes a night off the bench for the Raptors. It's a bold take by you, Robert, but I will accept it. Um <laughs> looking, back, looking back at this last weekend, there was a couple of main things that stood out for me, and I'd love to get your take. The first is, is there any team who makes life easier for the quarterback than what the 49ers do for Brock Purdy? No, I don't think I've ever seen a team make it easier than they do on him. I mean, it's remarkable. It, Kyle Shanahan feels like he's been trying to build this quarterback free machine in San Francisco over the last you know three or four years as they've assembled all this skill talent and he's almost done it and I think Brock Purdy has been really good for a seventh round rookie quarterback and the fact that they can continue to roll like this and they're now the favorites in the NFC if you look at the betting markets that's incredible and that's a testament to what Brock Purdy has been able to do but let's be real about this I mean this is about what Kyle Shanahan has built there the, the ease of the throws, the amount of space created, the flexibility of the personnel, what those guys can do after the catch. You look at Brock Purdy's final numbers, and you know that'll be a 74-yard touchdown to Debo Samuel that we saw. Look at how that 74-yard touchdown came about. Yeah. It's a combination of scheme, offensive play-calling talent, and personnel. And that formula and that overall recipe is unlike anything I think I've ever seen before. Were you amazed with the confidence of Trevor Lawrence, who throws four interceptions in the first 28 minutes of the game and then four touchdowns in the last 32 minutes of the Jags' win over the Chargers? No, I don't think so. You know, this is somebody that, 
He turned the ball over a decent amount last year. You know, he was never been afraid to take chances. I think his makeup is just right. He understands that you need to take some of those chances. I'm sure just like us, he understood why some of those plays turned into interceptions in the first half. You, know, you got a tipped ball. You have what is clearly a defensive pass interference that was not called or an illegal contact. It's fine. It's the playoffs. You let him play a little bit. And then you have a couple where he was forcing it a little. And you know, this is somebody that, I think he's always had just the overall correct dynamics for the position. And Saturday was a perfect example of that. And he's been really good this year. He was really good this year. And I think that's kind of what people may not really appreciate is that he threw some bad interceptions this season, but they were mixed in and overall part of really, really good quarterback play. I mean, this guy was a top 10-ish quarterback all year, despite some of the high-profile mistakes that he made, whether it be in the London game against the Broncos or you know, some other moments where he throws a bad red zone interception. But this guy was really, really good. And I'm really glad that people got to see that side of him in a huge moment on Saturday. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, somewhere hopefully Urban Meyer was taking a long look in the mirror and not liked what was looking back at him. Um, sticking with quarterbacks, again, joined by Robert Mays, great writer, and you got to check out the Athletic Football Show podcast, all part of the Athletics coverage of all things NFL. Do you, like, and I'm going to tell you right now, I have flip-flopped. I'm a Giants fan. I'm overly emotional. I, um, I still remember Pepper Johnson. But do you view Daniel Jones any differently today? And I know Minnesota has a lousy defense. How do you view Daniel Jones today than, say, a month ago? I think that it's, I'm definitely a bigger fan of some of the stuff that he's doing. I still think that we should all sober up a little bit after the season before we decide what we're going to do with Daniel Jones. And I feel like in the middle of the year, when they were struggling a little bit, I think it was the Jacksonville game that they won. But yep. it was back and forth. It could have gone either way. There were a decent amount of those games in the middle of the season. And I remember talking to somebody at the, in the organization, and, and they kind of had a pretty good logical view of where they were. They understood that it was going to be a little while, and they were probably a team that still needed to retool a little bit. And in that moment, it kind of felt like, they would let Daniel Jones test the waters in free agency. There was going to be a line in the sand they would draw financially, and if he had to cross it, then they would be willing to let him go. It kind of feels now like they'd be more incentivized to leverage themselves a little bit more to bring him back. I still think that you have to make a decision with the long view in mind. And we've seen teams do this a lot, where they lock themselves into a long-term deal with a quarterback who is not an elite quarterback. And yeah. I still think that Daniel Jones doesn't crack that elite quarterback tier. So I feel like if you're the Giants, you'd have to figure out a solution that makes sense for you and for him. And maybe that's a short-term deal with you know, a decent amount guaranteed in the first year. You have him be your quarterback in 2023, and you leave yourself some flexibility beyond that. If I were the Giants, that's what I would do. You, know, you try to reward a guy for what he's done this year. You send a message to the locker room that if you play well here, you will get rewarded. But you don't lock yourself to Daniel Jones for the next three or four years because I think you want a ceiling that's still higher than that. What is more interesting for you for the rest of this week? Getting set for the Bengals taking on the Bills or the Bengals' former opponent, the Ravens, taking on the contract of Lamar Jackson? 
I'm always going to pick the game. I just think that the Bengals and Bills are two really good teams, and I'm excited to watch that one. But I find Lamar Jackson's situation and that entire set of drama going on in Baltimore fascinating. I mean, you have this weird stalemate that's partially been created by him not having an agent, and you have this odd league-wide dynamic created by the Deshaun Watson contract and him wanting something that's in line with that, but the Ravens not willing to do something unprecedented just because the Browns did. And I understand both sides of it. I understand Lamar trying to look out for his long-term interest, but what the Ravens ultimately decide to do based on this, I mean, it's a franchise-altering decision. Do you keep him and kind of stay the course and make sure your offense is tailored that way? Do you take a really hard left turn? If you do decide to go move on from him, where are you going to get your next quarterback? Are you just kidding yourself that that guy can be as good as Lamar Jackson? And there are a dozen questions that I think both sides of this will have to answer as they figure out what the right solution is here. Yeah, and you're right. God, you can you can totally see both sides to it. I, I kind of wish Lamar had been with the team uh, when they traveled to Cincinnati, but it's again, it's not like I'm in the locker room. Um, Robert, before we let you go, and again, appreciate coming on the show. Check out the man's work at the Athletic uh, between himself, Mike Sando, so many good writers there covering it from a national perspective, or just check out your favorite team's coverage uh, of the four games uh, for the divisional round. Is there uh, which game in particular has your interest? the most Bill's Bengals is awesome I mean I love watching Luana Rumo call defense the Bengals defensive coordinator I'm curious what his plan for Josh Allen is going to be obviously we didn't get to see much of that when they played last time I was looking forward to it and now we'll get to see it actually play out but there's just something about Niners Cowboys we got to see it last year that Cowboys fell flat on their faces it was a real kind of look-in-the-mirror moment for their offense, for Dak, for Mike McCarthy. And you have Dallas limping into the playoffs. They play the worst game of their season against Washington Week 18, and we think, oh, here we go again. And then Dak comes out and plays the way that he did last night. And this team that had played well all year and looked like an elite team all year looks like it again. And now they go on the road and they play a San Francisco team that just seems like an absolute buzzsaw right now. So I am really excited for that one, and I'm honestly more excited for it than I was when I woke up yesterday. I think that the way the Cowboys looked last night kind of re-upped the juice for what that Cowboys-Niners game could potentially look like. Be honest. and Sorry, one bonus question. Be honest. What are you more excited about, Dak Prescott throwing deep to CeeDee Lamb or the Dallas Cowboys attempting an extra point? It might be a moot point because they might not even try one. They might just go for two every single time on Sunday, which I wouldn't blame them for at all. Hell yeah, Blake, just ban all kickers. It's something we've all wanted for ages. No more kickers in football. <laughs> you, you won't hear any complaints from me about that. Absolutely. Hey, Robert, again, follow the man on Twitter, at Robert Mays. Always appreciate, um, thank you so much. Always appreciate when you take time to join the show. No problem. Good to talk to you. Take care. That is Robert Mays, host of the Athletic Football Show and NFL writer for the Athletic.